Hi, Q&A cuties. Welcome back to another episode of the Q&A podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Kevin. And I'm Mel. And today we have a very special guest, my very own cousin, Mia. Hi, everyone. Yay. Yay. All right, Mia, would you like to introduce yourself? Quick rundown of who you are, where you're from. Yes, of course. Thank you both so much for having me. Um, my name is Mia. I go by Mia Liggs on Instagram. Um, and yes, I am Mel's cousin. I'm younger by two two years. Something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I also PA'd this podcast. So, yes. Oh, true. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, true facts. No cap. Yes, exactly. No <laughs> cap at all. Um, our topic for today is raves and so um yeah we're just gonna get into it i guess lot lots to talk about um but yeah so for both of you i would like to know what brought you both into raving and give a little rundown of like where you're at now like how long you've been raving i guess as well i can go first since my my experience is a lot shorter (laughs) compared to kevin um but for me, my first event, <laughs> my first event was Dream Meter San Diego, uh, 2021. So that was like Halloween weekend, 2021. Uh, it was actually not supposed to be my first event. My first event was supposed to be Beyond 2020, but obviously that was canceled due to COVID. So this was like almost everyone's first event back after COVID or like post COVID, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, that lineup was honestly goaded for an LED event, especially as like their like first event in so long. Had Maddie on a Millennium headlining, San Holo, Yetep, Nilakilla. So overall, a really great event. I'm happy that that was my first ever event. Um, especially with like the group that I had, it was full of like my filipino organization fam um just being able to be with them and also like that also being our first interaction in a while because of covid um but yeah lots of amazing memories from that and i'm very happy that it is almost my one year anniversary of raving um but yeah now we can go to kevin's experience (laughs) i mean mine i feel like it's not too extensive but uh it's very i also started at an led event um it was led usa 2019 i believe um that lineup was amazing as well uh it was like griffin said the sky um yellow claw um jaws it was just it was an amazing first event and i loved petco park but i was brought in to raving with my big first of all and my organization as well um and so I mean, ever since then, I've been going, um, obviously during COVID, I wasn't able to, but, and then the most recent was Nocturnal this past weekend. Um, But yeah, it's just, it was, it started in 2019. It's still ongoing, thankfully, and we'll keep on for a while, I hope. But what about you, Mel? Yeah, as long as your joints keep working, huh? (laughs) No such thing as a retirement. Yeah. (laughs) They may they may be uh cracking and snapping, but you know they're still working. Oh, so for sure. That's all that matters. Um, 
Great. Yeah, no, that's super cool to hear. For me, my first event was Crush SF um, in 2018. And I actually just searched up the lineup because I literally don't even remember. Um, but it was Flash Adamus, Ghastly, Yotran, Ducky, Virtue, and Michael Bricker. Do I know these people? Not really. Um, <laughs> I do Yotran? know Floss and Ghastly and Yochan. I love Yochan. Um, there's one that's blurred out, but I don't know who that... Oh, it was Kid. It was Kid. Who I love. I love Kid. And so, super fun event. Um, the people who brought me in were my, like, Filipino Pam from, uh, from Berkeley. And so shout out to Tadhana Pam, uh, y'all are real for that, for bringing me to my first event. Uh, but yeah, it was super fun. And obviously it was good enough for me to keep going for like several years after that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it was a super good time. I don't think like it's nowhere near, you know, my top fave events, but it was a good first one, I think. But yeah. So, not, I don't know, I don't know if y'all consider, like, 2018, like, four years that long. I feel like it's super subjective, like, how how long is long, you know, for in terms of going to raves and whatnot? I think, honestly, I think the quote-unquote retirement age has changed now because there was that one-year break or one- or two-year break um, in the raving community. So a lot of my, like, high school friends that started raving way before I did, like, they were raving when I was still in high school, would say that they would retire after, like, graduation, but here they are after graduation, still going to events. Um, So yeah, I feel like not only within the rave community, but a lot of, like, age out, like, situations have changed just because we had, like, that one year of like no one doing anything you know for sure like i'm so glad you brought that up because i personally thought i was gonna retire when covid started (laughs) i was like that's enough that's it for me and i had a not like a terrible experience right before it but i did go to an event um february right before quarantine literally a month before we all had to go back inside and so I remember I went to the event and then I got a little sick and I high key thought it was COVID. It wasn't, but I really thought it was. And that's when I knew I was like, no more events. Like I got the, whatever this new pandemic is, <laughs> I got it from, I have it still. No, I'm just but um, I got it from this event and it was really scary and it traumatized me. But, you know, I think I was out for so long that when you, Mia, brought up Dream Eaters, I was like, mm, maybe I'll go. And so, Obviously, that was like a lineup that you couldn't say no to. Oh, yeah. Especially anything. the fact that it was in San Diego, too. I was like, yeah, like, that's perfect. Yeah. I always say that, I feel like I always tell people that once I go to EDC, like, that's my retirement after that. Because I can't imagine anything more than that. But mm-hmm. I would always joke, too. Whenever you know, did you ever see like those old couples at the events? Yeah, and they're just like vibing in the back, doing whatever they want. I always joke like that's gonna be me after <laughs> like 
actual retirement. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. going to go to these events with my significant mm-hmm. other and just vibe in the back. No, yeah. Literally just humans. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Like, not even <laughs> caring what like about what your outfit is and whatnot. Like, just there for the vibes. Yeah. I feel that. No, yeah. I've literally met multiple people who have, like, their own families. They're, like, well into their 20s, into their 30s. Like, I'm at Hard Summer during Joji's set, I literally met someone who was, like, talking about, like, his son, right? And he's, like, showing me pictures of his son. He's, like, five years old. And I'm, like, like... I kind of want to be like that. Like, mm-hmm. I, even if I have a family, I want to be able to bring like, like my kids into this community. Mm-hmm. Like, sh- like I don't know, like expose them to it at a pretty early age, because it's like, I feel like raving can be very taboo. It is a very taboo topic, especially mm-hmm. with like real like the negative stigma behind it. Mm-hmm. But being in the community, you're aware that it's so much more than that. So like. If I have my own kids, I want to be able to, like, expose them, show them the truth about the raving community, and then just, regardless if it is, if it does become their thing or not, I just want them to know, like, everything about it, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think on the topic of, you know, families bringing their children or, like, their younger siblings and cousins and whatnot... Uh, I do want to give a nod to the huge growth of like the raving community in the 90s and the 2000s. And I mean, it definitely spans, you know, way before that. Like I apparently, according to Wikipedia, 1950s. But um, I mean, I always associated it with like that 90s, early 2000s culture of like underground warehouse, you know, EDM raves and whatnot. And so... I don't know, maybe it's, like, some movie or something that had, like, a garage rave, and I was like, oh, that's a, that looks cool, and whatnot. Um, but I think it's still generally in, like, an early phase, where like, right now, to where I feel like those, quote-unquote, like, older folks that are at events were those same people in the 90s and early 2000s that were, like, going hard. Right. And so, I mean, we probably will see people our age when we're like 30 and 40 going to events and bringing their children because it's still new. Right. Like, do do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, yeah, like that generation is literally bringing their, you know, the generation under them to like events and whatnot. And it's it's where I want to say it's like the first fold, like it's like the first time the you know, older generation is, you know, bringing, I guess, the younger folks into raves. Like, we're only the second generation, generation is what I'm trying to say. In what, like, a mainstream rave, we're only the second generation. So, I did want to, since you were bringing up the community and whatnot, I want to ask, I mean, the three of us have seen, and we know, that when you go to a rave, you're going to see a lot of Asian folks and a lot of queer folks. And, you know, our podcast being the Q&A, I want to ask y'all, why do you think there's a lot of queer folks and Asian folks and queer and Asian folks? Um, And we've talked about this kind of like in short before, but uh, I always tell people it's essentially a form, at least this is how I perceive it, a form of escapism. <laughs> 
you know, from the reality that we had growing up and always being under strict rules, always under being under being watched, I guess, and kind of going into this environment where you can oh, let loose sorry. and <laughs> let loose and just have fun and do whatever you want where no one it's kind of like a judge free zone where you can be yourself um, and just escape a little bit from reality into a place where everyone's just enjoying themselves and having fun. Yeah, I definitely see that a lot because I guess with the culture of Asian Americans having incredibly strict parents, those strict parents create the most unhinged children that just kind of want to explore everything, just try everything because they weren't allowed to do what they wanted to do growing up. And so I guess it still ties into or kind of backs the negative stigma like that's tied with raves, but like these kids that were like sheltered their whole lives, they just kind of want to go out, like let loose, try everything under the sun. And surprisingly, raves offer that for them, like regardless of what the extent may be, what they what they want to do within that spectrum, like they'll just do it. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. I think one tangible concept that can justify all of the things we've seen is plur, right? Like plur culture and plur vibes and whatnot. And just knowing that when you're there, the peace, love, unity, respect vibes will kick in and it's going to be a judgment-free zone. It's going to be, you know, people loving on each other, taking care of each other and whatnot. And I think that's why it's so attractive <laughs> for me in my own experience as a queer and Asian person um, <clears throat> that I know I'm not going to be judged. And I know that not only am I going to be accepted and tolerated, but also celebrated in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> kind of, cause you said it too. And I kind of did as well about the judgment free zone, I guess, or community that they have, or that we always experience. When I said that, I almost like took a step back and said, like, is it a completely judge free zone? And is it necessarily like fully accepting? Cause it definitely is compared to reality, I guess, but how do you both feel on how, like how, how judgment free is it <laughs> for you in your experience? I feel like for the most part, we like us as a group, because for most of the past events we've been to, we have always gone together. Um, so for the most part, we are like, um, like, like actively surrounding ourselves with people that we know will accept us we know that we, they won't judge us like like we know the people that we're surrounding ourselves with right but there are some people that do go and they're not super like tied into the whole plur aspect or the idea of plur they just kind of go to go and i guess <laughs> abuse like the negative Sorry. parts that come with raving um like, they're kind of the sh just there for their own selfish reasons in a way. And I saw a lot of that at Hard Summer, to be honest, because it's such a mixed 
uh, community, like you're mixing the rap and hip hop community with the EDM and plur community, that those are literally like two different like lifestyles kind of coming together within the same space. So you're not going to meet people that are, I guess, on the same like mindset or have the same ideals as you. Yeah, it's definitely emphasized and reinforced by the fact that EDM is like basically mainstream now, right? It is, it makes up a lot of, I guess, pop music and stuff that's on the radio. And because of that, I think there is kind of, and, you know, not to gatekeep in any way, but there is an influx of people who don't really know their culture or who obviously aren't um, from like the rave scene where generally it's going to be, you know, more accepting. And I recognize that I'm, you know, technically a newbie and I'm not, I'm, I'm imposing myself onto, a, you know, a community that wasn't mine to begin with. And so I'm aware of that. So, yes, I think there is there is just that influx of a bunch of people who come from different types of crowds and, like, different types of concert mannerisms, I guess, you know, that aren't always the same as the one you'd find at a rave. Yeah, I because even now, I feel like the idea of plur is not changing but it's different now almost because you don't really see you know like as many candy kids uh that like you know you would see all like their whole arms covered in candy like necklaces it's completely different now because you know it's very rare to see that and i never honestly not that many times see people plur each other i think i've seen like i mean i see mia do it a lot and which is like great and like i love seeing it but I never see it as often anymore at these mm-hmm. events. For yeah, sure. I definitely get what you mean. Like, when you were saying that, I realized a lot of people will tend to just keep to their groups, you know? Like, for me, like, what Kevin was saying, I show up to almost every event. Like, my arm is stacked with candy, like, new candy, candy that I've gotten from other people. Like, I'm just ready to, like, meet new people, trade, play with them. Like, that's why I go. Like, that's one of the main reasons why I go and I still keep going. But mm-hmm. I notice it within, like, my friends from high school, too. It doesn't seem like they really try to embrace that aspect of plur by, like, reaching out to people that they just run into or meet in the crowd and, like, try to, I don't know, just become friends with the people around them that aren't already in their immediate friend group, you know? Like, they kind of still just keep to themselves. And it's just really interesting to see that, like, even... My friends that I took to Hard Summer for the first time, they were, like, so intrigued with the fact that I would, like, talk to anyone and everyone that was nearby me. Just because, like, that's what, like, raving allows me to do. Like, it makes me comfortable to just talk to people. Like, I'll just compliment, like, their outfit, their hair, their makeup, and then we just start a full-blown conversation. And then, I'll like, by the end of the night, I already have their Instagram and everything, you know? Mm-hmm. No, 100%. I feel like chances are they're gonna want to talk to you and they're gonna want to share something with you. Maybe even like, you know, exchange Instagrams and whatnot. A lot of things that people wouldn't do 
outside of an event, right? And one thing, like, I don't know, I feel like I get these, like, bro-ass, like, straight-ass dudes that are like, yo, your top is sick. And meanwhile, I'm wearing, like, this, like, skimpy, like, showing the shoulders crop top, right? But they're like, yo, that that shirt is tight. I'm like, thank you. (laughs) You know? And so, like, I, those, you know, those bro dudes, like, those are, they, they, they pass the vibe check, right? The other ones that, like, don't do that or, like, they give you stares, they um, push you and shove you, like, yeah, no, they're, they're not it. And I have another experience from the same night when I was with, like, a person that night, like, I was with them, <laughs> standing next to them, no, not, you know, we were, like, whatever embracing but um someone was walking by us it was like this like bro ass dude super tall he like was quickly just racing by and then he just goes gay to our faces and like after like we were just like hugging or something and then we're i was like wait what and then my friend was like wait what what the fuck did he just say and so i was and I I do think that's like one of the very first times that that has happened to me out of my four years of going to events. So yeah, it was super interesting. It's just so weird to see that, like, first of all, in this day and age, and in this community, like, they should have known. <laughs> they should be aware of the types of of the types of people that they will see at this event. Like, it's literally a judgment free zone. Of course, you're going right. to see people of all. Mm-hmm different backgrounds like racial backgrounds sexual sexualities like whatever the fuck it it was crazy i i felt <laughs> like it wasn't real like i thought i imagined it or something you're like but... is he being like, like serious right now right no like i was like is that my internalized homophobia like manifesting itself like what what was that that's crazy kevin do you have any experiences like that or i see i was trying to think and I I think I always stick, like Mia said, in, like, the safety of my group almost, uh, just because kind of to avoid those situations, because that's, like, luckily that hasn't happened to me. And I don't know if it's because I'm, like, with a big group of people or just because, you know, I got lucky, but I haven't had that experience, thankfully. Wait, Mia. So, <laughs> I was... <laughs> You explained, like, pluriculture so well, but, I mean, you started after me, and when I started, I was completely clueless. Like, I had to be educated on what the vibes were, how to act, who to Mm -hmm. talk to, and whatnot. So, how'd you get, how'd you learn all of that? So, for me, I started, I guess I started listening to EDM because I had friends that graduated class of 2018 from high school that were going to their first events and so like my friends were just super immersed in the culture when they first started so I kind of just wanted to experience what they were experiencing so the more I got into EDM and like messaging them being like oh my god that looks so much fun like like I want to know everything about this they would be the ones to explain to me like like how the whole rave community is like what plur is like just I learned everything from them rather than just kind of going in, into it blind, which I'm super, super grateful for because I know I have friends that 
listen to like dubstep when you're little right but still with that regardless if you know the like if you know the music just going into events like you're never gonna know unless other people tell you like what the whole culture is you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i'm very thankful and grateful to have like friends that were waiting for me to go to my first event to share Mm -hmm. that experience with me and like they made me aware they like told me everything like everything to expect so yeah for sure yeah and how much older were they because you know i i do want to bring up how i've always heard that san diego you know was always one of the early asian american rave roots mm-hmm. and so yeah, like, I, do you think they're you know part of that lineage kind of my friends know surprisingly mm-hmm. like because i know we do have older cousins that are like what like at least five years close to 10 years older than us mm-hmm. that were raving when we were little but mm-hmm. i honestly didn't know about that until i started yeah. i didn't really know that they were super like like super active in the community either my friends were only like two years older than me like they graduated gotcha. two years before i did mm-hmm. and i already knew about everything from them because they went to like events at such a peak time honestly like class of 2018 2018 and 2019 seemed like such a peak era yeah no festivals in california like especially uh socal Mm -hmm. for sure yeah well like going back to like our cousins no okay yeah that's what i wanted to go back to like i will never forget that (laughs) one day when i was at our cousin's house and our other our you know, our other cousin was wearing this flat, like big ass flannel, but then like <laughs> she was like wearing, you know, very short shorts and oh like thigh, thigh high socks and fishnets. <laughs> and I was like, "Where are you going, Ate?" And then, and but then she doesn't she normally goes, dress like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she was like, "Don't tell anyone. I'm just going to a party." And then I was like, "Okay." And like <laughs> oh, the main thing that gave it away that I was like, "This is not a normal party." <laughs> was was the pigtails like you know yeah it was the pigtails and i was like was going somewhere specific mm-hmm. but i was a child at this so like she was in high school so i definitely had to be like fifth grade or something right yeah when you and like our other cousins mentioned like remembering our older cousins yeah being, like and looking like that i'm like i never i never saw that it was, right like, so surprising i'm like it mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, honestly, I'm not going to be like, that's so uncharacteristic of them. Because it makes sense. But it just, I yeah. never saw that growing up. No. And it's safe to say that our cousins were part of that really early Asian American wave of, yeah. you know, people from SoCal going into raves and whatnot. Like, that's crazy. And then now we're in it. But, like, there was that whole, you know, long-ass gap of us not even knowing what it was. They paved the way for us. We're just like Loki, like Loki, yeah. And then, and then they'll be like, "Oh, you're going to that event? You're going to that event? I missed that event. Like, I love that event." <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, girl, you didn't tell me. Like, you should have told me you were going to all these things. But yeah, it's just crazy. Oh, we're following in their footsteps and whatnot. But Kevin, do you have any like um, 
older cousins or relatives that went to events that you heard of? Um, I wish I did. <laughs> I think just, just more hearing... just like you and your sister? Like, yeah, because hearing, hearing you guys talk about it, like, I wish I kind of had even that early exposure, like, maybe you didn't un- even understand, but all of my family is in the Philippines, so um... I don't know what events they have there i assume that like maybe they go to certain things like maybe clubbing other events but i don't know how it is over there and how it differs from here um but yeah my sister and i actually went to our first event together which i thought was pretty cool but how was that for you that was pretty much it um she had already been to like other things it just wasn't an event which um so i was kind of relying on her for the experience (laughs) kind of like how you said you uh, Mia, that you had other older people to like teach you about pluriculture and how to act and how to like just present yourself at these things. I was with her throughout the entire time, basically. Like we were side by side, and she was. What's really cute was like she was always making sure I was okay, um, like just like checking in, like, "Oh, are you good? Are you good?" <laughs> um, but yeah, just going to that event together, I think, was like perfect for us because just having like your older sisters older sister older sibling there was was like amazing to me wait but... sorry did you say that was both of your first events what first rave first rave yeah yeah first wait your first rave both both of ours that's crazy i know so were you were you like doing gay shit like what was the vibe <laughs> oh i forgot about that right, I was because that's with... like a that's like a staple at every event that i go to i'm like i gotta do some gay shit right now you know um so... i was with someone at the time mm. um and so we did go together and like we were with my sister she was very oblivious <laughs> to the situation <laughs> um so she, like we did but she thought was like, like, cause I've asked her about it and she, her thought was, oh, like, they're just really close. They're like <laughs> bros. They're just like, bros. we are just bros, oh you know? Yeah. Um, and she just assumed that, which I guess is like kind on her part. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Like, she's so, you know, she's open-minded. She's like, okay. Yeah, she's, she's like, like okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, cause then later, like, I did bring it up to her, of course, and tell her the situation Mm -hmm. and she like was like what like no (laughs) way even though like all of like her friends that were with us were like you Mm -hmm. know like come on like so much you saw what was going on over there yeah Yeah. that's so funny yeah yeah i don't know if i could ever get to the point of bringing my sibling like obviously i could go with my cousins but i don't know about my sibling yet but mainly it's because she's um just not a you know edm rave person that's yeah, pretty I much it's the like main... a difference in like culture dynamics like you know sure. you would want to like in your head you're like i know i would bring these people if they asked me to no no, no. <laughs> i would love to bring her but i just don't know if she would enjoy the yeah, music yeah, yeah. that's like the main thing yeah mm-hmm. that's yeah. fair <laughs> but also i mean to be fair to you you are onto something uh mia because since you do know her I think there is kind of a type of person who would go and would mm-hmm. be comfortable because, yeah. you know, obviously at an event, very touchy, you have to be okay with being in uh, like thousands of people's faces 
and whatnot. And so I don't know if she's like that type of person. Yeah. Uh, she loves like a chill concert vibe, you know. So I'm like, eh. but I'd love to bring her. Like I'd love for her to be there, you know. So like about what you were saying about that bro, whatever dude was like cl- complimenting that skimpy shirt or top you're wearing. How do you feel like like do you feel like you've always dressed? to these events as like in a certain way or has it evolved has it changed like what has what was it for you for me personally i've always tried to err on the side of queer and like you know gender expression and whatnot um like cropping every shirt that i have you know like it'll be a plain black tank top but i crop it and i'm like Mm -hmm. it's rave ready Mm -hmm." like that's it a hundred times better um so yeah first event at crush sf i cropped a cropped the tank top wore some like booty shorts and whatnot and that's it um i just think currently i try to have a little bit more taste kind of just like and trying to find um things that are already made that air on the queer side um as y'all can you know probably find on my instagram you know uh leave a leave a like in a comment at water watermelon um but anyway yeah so <laughs> you know, i've been trying to like seek out things that are like more gender expressive you know for my own um like sense of style and whatnot just trying to be more kind of exciting because i know men's fashion is like very boring you know and so yeah just want to try out more stuff in the future yeah. yeah, it's a lot harder for men, honestly, because there's, like, a spectrum of what you can already wear. Like, men's fashion in general is really hard as it is. And then once yeah. you get down to, like, rave fashion, it's just, like... A button-up and some shorts. Cool. Yeah. You the know, like, that's come it. off at some point anyway. jersey. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. No, literally. But I feel like... I don't know. I feel like there are more queer men that are kind of advocating for just being in the rave community in general. Like, mm-hmm. I have a friend that you met at Audio Mel, one of my old teammates that, like, <gasps> always goes in, like, a fishnet. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I'm a fan. I love him. <laughs> I yeah. love him so much, but he, like, has the most amazing, like, fits for, like, queer men, like, queer, like, rave outfits. And I'm just, like, every single time he goes to an event, it's a sleigh. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolute oh, you also met him at um. You also met him at Dream Eaters. Dream Eaters, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you're listening to this, <laughs> and you want to try something new and wear something skimpy or femme or you know just fucking edgy, it. just do it. <laughs> We're gonna eat it up. We're gonna eat it up. Okay. <laughs> Mia. Hmm. What? How do you? What have you worn and? Kind of how do you decide what you're going to wear to your next event? Mm. Honestly, the most, the easiest event to kind of find an outfit for would be Dream Eaters or Escape. Because it's Halloween themed, obviously. I just kind of default to, I don't know, whatever anime I like at the time. So like this year is also going to be, I did Demon Slayer last year. I'm going to do to Demon Slayer again this year. I also wore a onesie last year, a Pokemon onesie last year. Everyone called me crazy because it was hot. I did not mind. I thought it was adorable. 
And but, it was um, cold later on. It was cold later on. I was yeah. like, not me. You but, won. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, escape and dream eaters are just super easy. Like literally just pick any anything. You can find a quote unquote slutty outfit for it. But other events too, like I don't know. It kind of depends on what kind of vibe I get from the event. But just like overall, like I would not imagine myself going out in public, like dressing the way I do at raves, because being being a a pretty chubby girl, like I'm 150 pounds, like five one, I'm not skinny at all, like. Like you I'm got not, body, yadi yadi for days. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but just trying to have the confidence to go out in these outfits, knowing I'm not the like most ideal body type, has like my confidence has been growing. My com- like I've been becoming so much more comfortable wearing these types of outfits, while also like finding outfits that work better for me and work well for my body shape. So it's just kind of mm-hmm. a I see it as kind of like an out of sight, out of mind thing, where it's For like sure. I'm I'm accepting, like I finally accepted the fact that no one's gonna judge me because I'm because I'm not skinny, you know. Like I get hella fucking compliments. Like I'm not gonna deny that I get so many compliments at every event that I go to. It's because I know what, like, what works for my body, not just in rave outfits, but in clothes in general. Like, yeah, I know it fits me, so. That's kind of what I just go based off, honestly. Mm -hmm. So would you say there is kind of a sense of body positivity in plural culture and whatnot? For sure. No, for sure. Like, like, I've talked to my littles about it before. One of them's not super confident in their, like, body image. And I'm literally like, come on no like no one is gonna judge you and it's just that like mental health that you have to get over yourself in order to like just go have a good time Mm -hmm. just like embrace it you know for sure yeah i i like what you said about the because i mean i feel like it is a very body positive like community and also just a like an area of exploration almost for some people because i know you all (laughs) Y'all saw my Beyond Day 2 outfit of me literally just in, like, gym clothes. Um, <laughs> and, like, I don't even know what I wore day one, but just having... I was always scared to, like, explore different things. And I would always just stick to kind of, like, what you guys brought up, like, a t-shirt and shorts, maybe. Um, but, you know, now that I have you guys to, like, help me and, like understand what else I can do yeah I I think it's just it's a great place for people to get out of their comfort zone because you know it will work out in the way you want it to and it really did period bestie because you <laughs> ate that outfit up at Nocturnal okay, everyone at Kevin no, Cole Gal go like that picture that the... top was everything I'm like... so glad he switched his top last minute I know see I see that <laughs> I, I even <laughs> I even almost wore the other top just because, you know, it's something, I mean, I still liked it, but maybe it just wasn't for that event or maybe it wasn't for that, you know? No, so. yeah, that, that other one really gave Nocturnal, like, I think it was perfect. No, for sure. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I'm glad you guys told me the switch and I actually switched it. 
It's so. funny though because you're you're like considerably tall, so you have the body to be able to wear whatever and look good. Like as you said, like I know you're like trying to become more experimental, but even you just going in gym clothes, just like all right, he looks good. <laughs> Like, that's not fair. Go Tritons shirt. <laughs> Go Tritons. Salty. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, um, as, you know, a queer Asian man was wearing a shirt like that, which, you know, is a little bit more on the femme side, was it liberating in any way? Like, how did you feel? Were you scared? Were you nervous? Oh, definitely, like, nervous, um, because, you know, in college, I, I I even had, like, a mesh shirt that I bought to go to an event, but as soon as I put it on, I hated it. I hated the way I looked in it, like, I just didn't like the way it fit me, the way I looked, um, so to, like, fast forward to now, like, two years later, I can feel confident in it and, like, actually like the way I look and like want to take pictures like remember this moment remember like this outfit and all that so um you know obviously I still leave with like a flannel over and stuff and like just cover up but it just feels good to get to that event and like see you know how many other people like are dressed up in different ways in their own like styles and like how they per what's the word present themselves in in their outfits and their personalities through that so it's yeah it was like almost a liberating like you said experience Mm -hmm. yeah no i feel like everyone's outfits look a hundred times better when you're at the event like in the bathroom with that like ugly you know ugly bathroom lighting you're just like punched the hotel lighting you guys guys like it yeah (laughs) but then like when you're at the event walking around like with your shoes on and everything environment adds to it it's like oh yeah i belong here Mm-hmm, for sure yeah it's so out of context like mm-hmm. in a normal last bathroom <laughs> right like the face jewels and like you know the lingerie and whatnot like yeah um but so on that topic and kind of going back to the person who you know basically hit crammed me and um my friend at the event i wanted to talk about how which I agree, you know, it is super liberating. I wore also like something that was like aired on the femme side. And um, I was nervous too, because we, you know, we talk about flirt culture and rave culture being so queer, you know, queer friendly. But I want to say, although it's queer friendly and, you know, should be, it's, it can feel very straight dominant and you know maybe it's not maybe we are the majority like the queer folks and the you know queer folks are are the majority and whatnot but sometimes personally i feel like we're not like sometimes i'm like uh i don't want to wear this right now because i feel like a bunch of like the bro dudes are gonna like stare at me and whatnot you know there's that one too where it's like the scariest group you can pass by is like a group of teenage boys, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, you don't know what they're going to say or what they're going to do. And so just, like, that energy, I feel like sometimes can ruin my, like, rave experience sometimes. I don't know if y'all have had that. 
I, I get what you mean. I've never experienced it, but I feel like, or at least it's always in the back of my mind where it's, you know, you're, you're near someone that gives off like bro energy or vibes or whatever. And you think mm -hmm. like, oh, are they judging me? Like why, if they're not vibing with you or the area that you're in and stuff like that, it kind of like concerns you. And then you have like this thought process where you're like kind of just overthinking the entire time too. So mm -hmm. I've never experienced someone making a comment, but I feel like I've experienced the thoughts and the concern of that and yeah. worries. I don't think I've really ever come across it like the way you're depicting it. It's more just being a woman, like just there being any straight male presence around me. I'm just scared in general. Like even though raving is my safe space, it's still like, this person could pull something and be really weird. Like there was like one time during Beyond where some some guy like spilled his drink or just like sp I don't know, just spilled water everywhere and it kinda got on me too and I was like and they were like looking at me right after it happened. I was like, Yeah, is it supposed to be like, on purpose? And then the yeah. same guy like ended up trying to talk to me about Valentino Khan and I'm like, Is this really happening mm -hmm. right now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I guess that can kind of, we can kind of segue into like the dangerous side of raves and whatnot. And, you know, M Mia and I talked about it in the hotel room after knock, but the whole like that one drug that can make you, uh, you can't say no, basically. And a lot of people had that happen to them at EDC the previous year. Apparently there was someone who got, who either passed away or was um just hospitalized because they were like they like whatever they were taking was laced with fentanyl mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. yeah. like that was i think the biggest thing that happened afterwards like i don't know if you guys saw it but yeah yeah i didn't even hear about it until after like mm -hmm. i heard it from a friend that um it was they don't i don't know any updates since but yeah, when i read it it was that they think that it was laced with fentanyl and he od mm -hmm. i believe so mm -hmm. yeah there's always those dangers of you know these events unfortunately mm -hmm. okay so on that note let's rapid fire things to be careful and things you should make sure to do at a rave psa everyone listen up right now if you weren't tuned in earlier you could better listen now because we are experienced and we have a lot of advice to give you first of no, all make no, sure no. you know where your wallet and phones are yep okay keep it in a bag if you can yeah yeah. Another thing, taking or being offered water or any drinks by people that aren't in your group, like that's the scariest thing. Like, <coughs> may, like regardless if you're low on water, like only take water or any drinks from people that you know. Yes. Yeah. Or just bring like water packs. Like honestly, bring like lifesaver. Bring water packs. Um, mm -hmm. Hold. I always hold my phone. I don't know about you guys, but I just hold I it because it's phone. just easier. I don't want to. Yeah. I've never, I've always heard the stories of people losing their phone. The only time um, I, like, not held my phone was, like, my rave babe would hold it for me. And that's the only time I wouldn't have my phone on me. And I'd still, like, check with him, like, you have my phone, right? And he's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Fans. Fans, bring oh, them. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just being offered anything from someone that you don't know, regardless if, like, you just met them and you're vibing, just still be careful. Yes. Yeah. 
Because, yeah. like, people will offer you stuff. Chances are, you know, we talked about it, clear culture. They're going to try to help you out and everything. But always be careful. Like, mm-hmm. give it a second look before you take something. Yeah. And be aware of your surroundings. Because there was one time, it was at the end, but, like, people were messing with my backpack. And I didn't mm-hmm. even know. Like, mm-hmm. it was Amberlynn that was, like, like she that. turned around and was, like, what are you guys doing? And I didn't even know what they were doing. It's just because someone, like, something got caught on my backpack. So they're trying to get it out. But, Mm -hmm. like, if someone was, if they were stealing something, I wouldn't even know because I didn't feel it. Yeah. So um, just be aware or, like, have your friends around you. Um, Mm -hmm. That's why I like having, like, the groups because, you know, you can kind of watch over everyone else. The the, this move. When someone's crossing, you two, y'all are y'all Perfect. have that on lock. Anytime you see someone, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's always one arm is like holding everyone and like making way. The other one's fanning mm-hmm. everyone walking by. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, yeah, I've had a friend. I was at it at audio with them, and they got their phone stolen. And we we're pretty sure it was this dude who was like walking the opposite direction from the stage like shoving people like obviously shoving people and then you could hear the people in front of us that he shoved they're like what the heck bro like why why are you so aggressive why are you so mean and then after he passed by us he my friend like like felt his pockets and his phone wasn't there and so like if there's someone who's like shoving or like causing a scene being like super aggressive next to you make sure that like they didn't steal something from you because like sometimes they do that to divert from the fact that they like pickpocketed you sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Um yeah. Any other advice that y'all have? Yeah. So how about you two? How <laughs> do you how what are you what are your thoughts on rave days? Mm. I think oh <laughs> uh, rave days are very fun. They are like, very fun. It makes the for me personally, because I'm like an affectionate person, sometimes um, I feel like <laughs> not all the time, but like at an event, if you are that type of person, like it will make the event a lot more fun. Um, and you know, one I think uh, it is rooted a lot in the fact that I am queer and that you know those kinds of affection and being publicly in love is way more accepted at any event like that um as opposed to just walking down the street or um at a you know a straight club nightclub and whatnot um so i think for me that's why i think rape days are fun i mean i've had events where i didn't have one and i still quite literally my favorite event still i think it was the one where i didn't have one and it was very fun um, just because I had the perfect group. And so I think that's the thing. Like if you, I, this hasn't happened with like y'all, but like if they're, if you're with a group that you don't like the rave bait, you know, can help out with that. But anyway, that's yeah. True. Mm-hmm. But yeah, on that note, I don't know if, you know, they're viable like post rave. Cause you know, it's like definitely like a love under the influence situation. Um, you know, substance or not, I think there's always that kind of vibe of when you meet someone at like a concert or something and you think it's like, this is the love of your life. And then (laughs) at the, after the event, not only does the post concert depression hit, but also 
the post like meeting someone depression and whatnot but yeah those are my two cents um if you find love at a rave it can happen but don't expect the best to come out of it yeah like don't expect too much from it i've only mm-hmm. i've only had a rave babe once and that was my first ever event like all my other events after that i've just like always been vibing with my friends you know like it having a rave day can definitely help depending on the artist like especially yeah. with us we do listen to a lot of like the city <laughs> artists so for me i've always been like damn if i had a rave day right now like i went to arm and hammer's show if i had a rave day that night bro but that's just me that's just me personally um but overall like i don't think you have to rely on getting a rave day to make your night you know especially like if you're already going with your friends just have fun with them you know for sure yeah yeah i agree but yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 no i yeah i am trying to not have one but (laughs) but i agree with everything you said mel too like you can't expect anything you know after it because you know it's kind of like the whole concert thing it's like if it is the love of your life it is then if but if it's not you know you have to be okay with that main rule of thumb Find a rave bay that's from your city to make it at least easier to hang out with them after the rave. First yeah. question you ask, where are you from? Where are you from, <laughs> first yeah. of all? Yeah. <laughs> Before we dance. Like, like max 30 like, minute distance? Uh... Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, oh, you're from the bay. Never mind. It's like, Bro. Yeah, that's, that's far. L. I'm sorry. That's an actual yeah. L if you like do meet someone from the bay. I'd... Like not because of the distance, well, not because just, they're just from the, the Bay, distance. right? Just, 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 <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was like, wait, <laughs> let's not get the whole Bay Area to hate us right now. Yeah, <clears throat> it helps if you are able to hang out with them after the event, just so you can like see was it the event or was it like an actual connection? Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I think it's cool though that if you like do have one and. Like, let's say, even if they're not from the area, you can still go to, like, maybe even future events with them. Um, mm-hmm. And just, it could just be, like, an event thing, you know? Like, you just hang out and just like this is your have fun together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, no, like, I feel like a lot of rave fans find each other through, like, they meet at a rave and then they just always go to raves together after. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, in another timeline, that's us. Like, <laughs> if, you, if Kevin and I didn't play Vowel beforehand we might have met at a rave and then we would all be a rave fan you know probably in another universe Mm -hmm. yeah so it's time for the end of podcast q a and we actually have um we wanted to highlight this question because it was actually really good and we might actually be speaking about it later Mm -hmm. as a topic um but so the submission is from chantelle and the question that she would like us to answer is do you feel like you code switch or adapt how you talk slash what you talk about with peers that are not asian i feel like i do see myself doing this sometimes and love y'all love you too 
Love you too, Chantal. <laughs> but yeah, so how do you, either of you feel like you ever code switch or kind of adapt how you speak or what you talk about with other people that may not be or identify as Asian? I will be yeah. honest. I will be very honest. I have very few friends that are non-Asian. So I'm not afraid to admit that I'm in a, like an Asian bubble. But that is because I choose to surround myself with these specific individuals. And there are individuals who are very, I don't know, just like culturally aware. Um aware with like their culture like just american like societal culture in general so these are just the people that i've naturally gravitated to and made these connections with so i don't think i've ever experienced having that code switch unless it's like with my friends i have different friend groups that act different ways compared to each other talk different ways so that's kind of where like the code switching for me comes from like I'll talk in a certain way with my some of like a specific group of my friends and then like I'll talk another way with a different group but with peers that are not Asian I can't I don't really have much to to really add to that if I'm being honest um I would like to quickly note that you also did grow up in an area that was predominantly Asian. So yes, like my you know majority of my friends were Filipino, Vietnamese, Chinese. But that's just mm -hmm. because of the area that I grew up in and I still live in this area. So mm -hmm. yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I mean you probably do I mean let me know if you don't, but like you code switch, you know, at work, right? When you're serving folks that Oh for sure. Yeah, like yeah. as a server in like a restaurant, of course I'm gonna code switch. I definitely talk a lot more in a, in a certain way more posh than I usually do. I don't know, just For because sure. it's not really showing my real personality. But yeah, like if anything, <laughs> the way I've been talking in this podcast is low key like how I talk with customers. But that's just because I'm <laughs> that's what I'm used to when I'm projecting myself, you know. I feel like Mel has um, a lot more to say, considering of, like, I don't know, like, your childhood, too. Yeah, like, I could get into the inverse, which is, I grew up in a, a area where Asians are a very small minority, and I definitely, um, kind of like Mia, had friend groups who had different vibes. I, I mean there usually was like a majority in each group that I would have to adapt to. I think that's how I would define my code switching. And, you know, I can name them like ASB. I definitely had to act more, you know, hey guys. And so it was very, definitely had to change not only my tone, but my mood and like, you know, my, yeah, just how I, I it, code switching. Like, you know, it was like, textbook example of when I had to not talk about anime you know I had to hide my accent which comes out sometimes you know um because at home I always heard Bangasinan I just recently learned how to speak it but I feel like I did kind of acquire an accent from hearing it all the time but I definitely had to enunciate all of my words you know when I hung out with, you know, more of my ASB folks. Um, but then I had like my 
my other group who were predominantly Asian and we would talk about anime all the time. We talk about like our parents and our cultures and whatnot and definitely live different lives with different uh, friend groups. That's, I feel like we're all on different like we, we've all had different experiences like i because mm-hmm. i was gonna say mine was opposite of mia as well because i grew up like in orange county predominantly white area went to predominantly white school <laughs> um and i thought i would it, it's still different from you mel too because i did have a group of asian friends but it was almost like i mean even I, myself i was like very whitewashed too and i still feel like i can be and I still do, like, growing up, especially in school, I would always code switch and try to adapt to the likings of, like, other individuals because I thought that was what was cool at the time. And I think one of the biggest things is, I don't know, you know the brand Vineyard Vines? Um, like, I was in love. <laughs> oh, I bet you did. <laughs> Like, I wanted all the shirts. I wanted all those long sleeves, um, like, boat shoes khaki shorts just like no, I, yeah. was, I don't know if like that's considered codes with you that's like your whole personality but no i um, think it is you are definitely onto something um yeah no so that's that's it's definitely something that i did growing up because i didn't have a lot of you know culturally asian friends at least growing up and then like luckily now through college and stuff i've changed oh my gosh yeah <laughs> no i can talk about this which is obviously why we're gonna have an episode about this later but i have this like quick little anecdote i'll never forget when i uh first day of sixth grade my older cousin who went to the same school as me who was an eighth grader was like hey mel when you you know when you talk to people here at this school you have to talk like this and pretend you're a skater and then if they or like if they ask that if you skate say that you used to skate because that's how you're that's how you'll make friends here and i'm like oh like i just want to do my math homework and you know watch cartoons and whatnot watch anime and so because they would always try to actually do that like when we would hang out they would skate they would break dance so he was trying to prepare you like, no, I mean, it really was that. No, it was definitely like a whole um, training, you know, to make sure I'm like socialized in a way that would fit in at that middle school. And then fast forward to high school when Asian culture popped off and, you know, everyone was into K-pop anime and whatnot. And then I was like, oh, finally, I can talk about things that I like. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then in college, obviously, I finally found a Filipino community and whatnot, which I will talk about in another episode. But yeah, long life of code switching, I feel like. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, no, we can go into a lot more detail (laughs) about this later. Thank you, Chantel, for the question. Such a good question. Yeah, no, I feel like we could talk forever about this. And maybe, you know, maybe you could talk about it. Yourself, yeah, Chantel. maybe maybe we'll show. see her here. Um, Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Any last oh. words, Mia? Um, thank you for having or thank my you final for being words on here. of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, thank you guys so much for having me on. Uh, I'm very nervous. I'm uh. very nervous. I stream, but it's still like I haven't streamed in a while. 
So it's just like being interviewed too. Like that's that's fucking weird. It's like thank you for you know being on our show and answering our questions and you know we love you and uh thank you for being the best pa and yeah family's like what cool (laughs) and you know our our second best i'm just kidding (laughs) i'm kidding (laughs) thank you all for joining thank you all for listening and we will see you again on the next episode so we hope to see you there if you do have any questions don't forget to submit you can also dm us on instagram at the qa podcast or through the submission form at bit.ly slash the qa subs so yeah thank you all and we'll see you soon bye, bye. follow us on instagram bye flirt <laughs> <laughs>